Hey, thanks again for joining us. You're listening to Big Brown Army. I'm your host, Cruz. You can visit Big Brown Army on the web at bigbrownarmy.com. You can subscribe to the podcast wherever your podcasts are normally found. Usually you can find it on Spotify, Google Podcasts, Apple Podcasts, etc. cetera. Uh, Stitcher, it's another one. Uh, also, we're back on Twitter. Yes, uh, someone threatened me <laughs> last week. My friend did actually. He was like, you know how easy it would be to just create another Big Brown Army account and pretend to be you? And I was like, hmm, okay. So yeah, so that means I'm back on. Uh, you can also, as always, email us at bigbrownarmy at gmail.com. Today we have Jordy back and we're going to do a week in review episode, uh, un- which is unfortunately too rare these days. So I'm glad that, Jordy, that you're here, that we're going to do an episode. It's going to be fun. Uh, but obviously, first, Joel Simpson. Hi, Jordy. Hi. How are Welcome you? Welcome back. I am doing well. I am. Uh, I've had a very, very good week, and I'll explain why later. But uh, I obviously, it's been too long since you've been here, so I need to know pigs. how Linda's doing. Linda is doing so well. Spring is her season. Mm. She loves the fresh grass. We're outside even more, and all the good stuff's growing. Everything's so crisp at the grocery store. I don't know. It just seems like she is a spring girl. Ah, that's that's sweet. Although, in some ways, I feel like she's she could be perfect for winter too. Just you know, cuddling up and being warm isn't that her thing too? Yes, it's just there's not so much good grazing in the winter. The grass is kind of dry and meh. But that mm. fresh grass that comes in the spring is very exciting for her. She just stuffs oh. herself. Well, that's 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 very good to know. Um, you I'm know, sure it is. I'm sure. I, I, I think information. <laughs> I feel like you know I get to know Linda more and more with each episode, and you know she'll feel like an old friend when we finally meet. Oh person. my gosh! I should just send her on a plane up to meet you. <laughs> yeah, no pets allowed, unfortunately. What if I buy plan. her her own seat? Oh. Uh, Sure, on the plane, but she just she'll be homeless when she gets here because I don't I don't have a spot for her, you know. Oh come thing. on, she doesn't take up that much space. She's two pounds. We'll see. <laughs> I'm a minimalist, you know. Just <laughs> oh sure, okay. I heard all about your extensive beard care kit on the last episode. That's not a minimalist lifestyle. It's it's just for my beard. It's just you know. I mean, I That's went a from a lot of one- product. <laughs> Does Sean not have product for the beard? Oh, he does. And it's always amazing to me. He has way more product for his hair and for his big beard than I have for myself. <laughs> way more. I didn't realize how much care goes into it because I'm not typically I get tired of a beard and then I shave it real fast, but I'm trying to keep this one going. So we'll see. We'll see if it actually if it actually does happen. Um 
so my interesting thing from last week is that I ended up getting the shot, the vaccine shot, the first one. Um, I'm not going to go into details. Uh, I'll just say that it was basically a point of the day where they said that they had leftover vaccines uh, and I had to show up at a vaccine site and say a code word. (laughs) I'm not even kidding. I'm not even kidding. Uh, I was up, I was up North and my friend got a text and this, and it was basically like, if you want the vaccine, show up here and you know, you just got to say the word and, um, you know, I'll, I'll make up a word cause I don't want to give it away, but let's say water. Okay. So basically I show up at the site. It's like one of those mass vaccination sites and there's police outside and the, and the police are basically like, uh, do you have an appointment? And I said, uh, water. <laughs> and they said, okay, go right in. <laughs> They had the police resources for that? Yeah. So they, they have police at the very bit, the first part, the entrance. And then after that, it's just all, it looks like just volunteers and staff. And it was massive. I mean, it was a pretty well-run operation. I think it, I got through in about 20 minutes, never had to get out of the car. Um, and you know, I just had to keep saying water <laughs> every, every little <laughs> quote unquote checkpoint. Uh, and then I got the shot. I was really got got the Pfizer one because that is, you know, as you know, the best one. Uh, I believe ninety five percent efficacy. But um, and I was prepared for a lot of pain because I've heard some uh, stories about, you know, the the needle that they use on this one is longer and blah 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 and all these different things. And uh, the guy giving giving me the shot joked around and was like, "Well, do you need a?" bit of leather to bite into because <laughs> I started to look like very nervous as he came up to me <laughs> like sweating profusely <laughs> yeah. and he started just like mocking me like, uh-huh. he's, had a, he's had a long day and he doesn't have time for your nonsense <laughs> and uh honestly I didn't feel a thing like well then he, he was good at what he did yeah like it was like he put the band in and I was like oh I, di- I didn't even know he did it um but within about maybe I would say like six or seven hours, it was just like when you get the flu shot, like your arm starts to hurt, you know, sometimes. And that's what it was. It just my arm started to hurt. So anyway, I'm guaranteed they gave me a little. I mean, here's kind of the scary part. Uh, scary in the sense, you know, whenever there's this, there's big things like this. I, I'll tell you this. I don't know that I like the whole, you know, there's a separate class of people those who get the vaccine and those who don't, right? And I don't know that I like the future where, hey, if you, you're you only allow, allowed in here if you got the vaccine. Uh, I know that it's convenient and it seems pragmatic, but it worries me because there are people that just genuinely can't take the vaccine. Like I know a friend whose doctor literally said, don't take the vaccine because of the health issues that you have and they haven't been tested on people with your health health issues, I would recommend you not taking it. And, you know, this, this thing that the lady told me, like, it's like a passport, right? And she's like laughing and she gave it to me. And I was like, well, no, I don't want it to be a passport. <laughs> like, that's a little scary. Like, I, I don't want, you know, anything to feel like a pass. I mean, by the why, way, it's a why wonderful. Why stop there? Why can't they give you some sort of tattoo to prove right. your 
Yeah, with the 666 or whatever. I mean, <laughs> no, but I mean, I think the vaccine is amazing, right? I think if you are, you know, if your health allows you to take it, take it because we're seeing the case numbers drop like crazy in this country as more and more people get the vaccinations. I think it's an amazing thing. It's a it's a wonder of it's a miracle of medical science, but I I'm telling you, it's not a good idea to have like a class of people that have it and class of people that don't have it. We have seen where this leads in the past, and it's uh, it, it's it's a dangerous game to play. So, what, um, how hard do you think it would be to forge those papers? Oh, dude, <laughs> so easy. Well, not only that, Jordy. I mean, it's just like honestly. Okay, I'll tell you, I got in pretty easily. All they were looking for. So I saw some people who didn't use the code word who got in, in front of me. And all they had to do was just show the phone and show, I guess, a screenshot of the Phase Finder app. So I don't know if this is – I'm sure you have it in California, but it's just basically you plug in your information. It tells you if you're eligible for the vaccine, right? Um, my understanding is in Arizona, they've opened up. To anybody can get the vaccine. Like you don't have to be in any phase. You can just get the vaccine if you want to. Uh even that is easy to Photoshop, right? Like anyone with some rudimentary surface skills in Photoshop could just put that together and show it on their phone. I was, you know, my whole thing was like, if if it's the current rule that if you're not eligible for it, you can't get it. I, I'm totally fine with following that. I don't want to take it away from anybody that's vulnerable. So I was just like, only in situations like this where they text you and they literally say, come now you can get it you know we're offering to people because we have leftover vaccines for the end of the day i was like i'll take advantage of that you know i'll go Good get for it. you congratulations i'm happy for you i know that's something that you have been really um wanting to happen and as quickly as possible so having gotten that first shot does that guarantee you a second shot or do you have to yes. wait for leftovers no, uh, it guarantees a second shot oh perfect so, okay great so three weeks uh i go back and I get the second shot. I, I have to tell you, I did feel a little bit like mm, I could do whatever I want. <laughs> you know? Not yet. I, like, <laughs> I know, right? I just, I had I'm this whole invincible. Like, mm. <laughs> I can do anything. <laughs> <laughs> You're bionic now. <laughs> anyway, um, so yeah, so that's that was an interesting thing. It is kind of interesting to be part of this whole weird. I mean, I'll tell you, going there, I mean, just this will be my last point about it and I'll shut up. But going there, it did feel sort of dystopian. Like you said, police at the front, right? A bunch of mobile tents set up, right? Lines of cars waiting and people in like protective gear and stuff walking around, passing out forms. It was just like out of like, you know, it was out of a movie. <laughs> so, I mean, I've only seen these things in movies in the past. And now to actually see it happen in front of me, that felt a little weird. I'll say that. So uh, it, it was a very dystopian view, you know. So even much though of the last year the- has felt dystopian. Agreed. Agreed. So it, it if, this is, if this is the, the final step to taking us out of that dystopian yes. situation, then I guess we can just take a little bit more dystopia. Absolutely. Hey, uh, so something I wanted to cover uh, today was just it's something interesting that happened. I don't know how many people know about it because uh, unless you really follow 
the news quite a bit. You may have missed it, but it's actually very crucial, very important to us as Americans. Um, the first diplomatic meeting between China and the U.S. under the Biden administration happened in Alaska a few days ago. And from all accounts, the and if you watch the video, the video is actually available online. Uh, there's short clips of the exchanges that happen. Typically for these diplomatic meetings between countries, and especially with the new administration in power, what happens is it's very carefully crafted and choreographed, and it's very scripted, right? Uh, usually before these meetings happen, the aides for the, you know, for the foreign... I'm sorry, I'm, I'm trying to think of the, you know, like the foreign diplomats or whatever that go out to meet. They meet with each other. They kind of lay out what it's, what's going to be covered. You know, what 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 is your leader going to say? What is my leader going to say? Uh, you know, and it's, uh, it, it's a very normal sort of meeting. There's no surprises. And so th- on Thursday this last week, uh, basically it was, the uh, U.S. State Department, so the Secret- Secretary of State Ant- Antony Blink- Blinken, National Security Advisor Jake Sullivan, and then the Chinese Director of the Office of the Central Commission for Foreign Affairs, Yang Jiechi, and Foreign Minister Wang Yi. And the Chinese surprised the hell out of the U.S. diplomats. And the Chinese basically went after the U.S. and said, you know, you can't push us around. You are not speaking from a position of strength. And for a diplomatic meeting that's supposed to be very choreographed and very scripted, the Chinese went completely off script. They went there. They went there. (laughs) They did not hold back. And uh, I'll, I'll just read you a couple of choice quotes. Oh, uh, please do. <laughs> read them in, in – wait, are they, is this their translator? Are you going to read us in the native language? I am not going to read this to you in Mandarin. So. Sorry, you're not going to get the authentic experience here. Sorry. You're not. So we believe that it is important for the United States to change its own image and to stop advancing its own democracy in the rest of the world. Many people within the United States actually have little confidence in the democracy of the U.S., and they have various views regarding the government of the United States. In China, according to opinion polls, the leaders of China have the wide support of the Chinese people. <laughs> or no, else. <laughs> no attempt to smear China's social system will get anywhere. Okay. Uh, uh, yeah, because yeah. you're immediately jailed. <laughs> uh, and uh, here's another choice quote. On human rights, we hope that the United States will do better on human rights. China has made steady progress in human rights. Mm-hmm. And the, what the direction? Fact is, <laughs> and the they fact didn't is, say what direction the progress has been. <laughs> yes. <laughs> the fact is that there are many problems within the U.S. regarding human rights, which is admitted by the U.S. itself as well. Uh and I the just challenges can't. facing I the, honestly just can't right now. Yeah, I mean it it, get, it keeps getting better. And the challenges facing the US and human rights are deep seated. They did not just emerge over the past 4 years such as Black Lives Matter. Okay? I mean I mean these guys I, I mean it sounds this like is, they've been doing like a a think tank with CNN. Yeah, exactly. Like you and can here's totally more. see how the like the legacy media is more <laughs> 
in keeping with the Chinese wants. Exactly. With, with the Chinese messaging than with the uh, anything else. My goodness. Uh, China certainly in the past has not and in the future will not accept the unwarranted accusations from the U.S. side. Um, and, and so, you know, ba- basically... I, the Chinese were particularly mad because the U.S. Had, had put sanctions on Chinese officials right before this meeting because of their uh, issues in Hong Kong and with the Uyghur people. I'll, this goes into something that you're saying you, you hinted at, uh, Jordy, with the legacy media. And with in general in America, I see a lot of young people do this. This is on Twitter or anywhere. Anytime, for example um, – Oh my goodness! Uh, what's the guy's name on CNN? Not Como, Jake Tapper. Any, for example, Jake Tapper has been starting to cover a lot more of the Uyghur abuses now that Trump's gone. It's, it's you know, you can t- start talking about these things, and uh, he, you know, almost to a t- every single time he talks about it, about the Uyghur camps, about the uh, attacking of democracy in Hong Kong, what you have in the comments are people going, "Well, it's not like the U.S. doesn't do it." And you would think that these are like Chinese um, trolls. There's, it's not. It's Americans who are just completely, like, like just ignorant of it's the not difference like they, between are they America saying that and China. The U.S. has concentration camp concentration camps full of ethnic and religious minorities, or using slave labor in their factories, or I'm uh, not like you're going to have to be specific here because. <laughs> I'm pretty I, sure that you're just going off of like a vibe that you think the U.S. has. Like you don't like the vibe. So you're like, what's the difference between the U.S. and China? <laughs> you know, I, I mean, honestly, if you're listening to us and, and you think that the U.S. is no better than China, you are horribly misinformed. And don't take it from us. Take it from Chinese folks. <laughs> take it from people living in China who have left China who talk about the atrocities of the Chinese government toward their own people, right? And 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 stop pretending like you know. There, Bill Maher did this thing where part of what he was saying was true. You know, he was talking about last week. He was talking about how uh, you know America is too worried about you know these like social justice things not necessarily like like the the wokeness of like what's the right gender to call what's the right thing to say blah 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 and china doesn't care about this right and china is just focused on pushing ahead and 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 winning and america is unfortunately left behind on this they don't care about free speech at all much less yeah. the right kind of speech right much less like you know political correctness so yeah, yeah that's a, that is definitely a ballsy move by China. Right. And, oh, gosh, <laughs> when you're reading those things, I was like kind of wanting to tear my hair out because it's a lot of the, the pot calling the kettle black right there. Yeah, I mean, and, and part of this is Biden has historically been soft on China. We all know this. And Biden is unfortunately coming into this one area of another one of uh, uh, areas in foreign policy where e- Trump was actually credited by people who know about China and China's expanding influence in the world in Africa and in other countries around the world. Uh, people credited Trump for taking a hard, harder stance toward China. Like he saw the threat. And the reality is if you're an American today, 
you you know the consensus among re- Republicans and Democrats are is that China is our biggest geopolitical threat and we need to take them on, right? And we need to show strength with China. Uh, do you know what China's 2049 vision is? I don't. Please. Okay. I mean, I can see it in our notes, but I'm going to pretend like I don't for the <laughs> sake of intrigue. Thank you. Appreciate it. China's 2049 vision is basically by the year 2049, they want to have enough resources to overtake America as the global superpower. And they all they believe that they're already there. Right. Okay. So in the notes, it says China's 2049 vision to take over the U.S., Right. <laughs> you mean like surpass the U.S. You don't yes. mean like literally. Oh, see, now I can see you actively editing it. <laughs> no, I'm, I'm highlighting thinking, it. I'm thinking, what? It, okay, you're highlighting it. Fair enough. I'm like, what? Their plan is to take over the U.S. And what is that? 48 years? That's terrifying. Well, I mean, you surpassing the u.s is pretty much the same as taking it over it means like conquering i thought you meant like literally taking it over and running it imagine imagine a u.s which is second to china in 2049 there's not much that we can do if it actually happens to get there which i don't believe that it will get there but i think we need to take the threat of china seriously yeah our military uh, needs to step it up our military you know, needs it, to focus hard on it because I think in some of the drills they've been running, the quote unquote war games, we cannot beat China as it stands right now. And it's not even just that. I mean, think about like our assets in, for example, in the South China Sea, uh, in the Straits of Taiwan. Like Taiwan is a U.S. ally. Taiwan is a democratic country uh, full of Chinese. I mean, it's it's actually the China Republic of China, basically, and they. You know, China has stated repeatedly again and again that their intended goal is to take take over Taiwan, to invade them, to make them part of China. Um, so, and they see it as an extension of China. the The very grim reality is right now. Let's say China decides to make a move on Taiwan. The consensus is that they're not exactly sure if uh, if the U.S. can actually stop them. Uh, that's, that's the reality. And it's, it's, that's a scary thought. I I genuinely believe that U S has a, uh, U S has a better vision for the world. The U S is better for the world than China. Uh, no matter what liberal academics believe, no matter what crazy millennials or zoomers believe in the U S the U S is absolutely better than China. And I'm talking about the government, the U S government is better than the Chinese government. And uh, we need to take this threat seriously. Uh, it's not just military, Jordy, in terms of, for example, like intellectual property. You know, the Chinese government has sent, you know, sp- invested billions of dollars into literally taking uh, American industrial secrets, taking it back to the and, and military secrets and industrial secrets, taking it back to China and there's, they just want to get as many things as, as they can. And they're making rapid technological advances. And the U.S. is just constantly caught off guard. And they're throwing their weight around. For example, in India, a couple months ago, they literally, you know, their hackers hacked into the networks in India and shut down the power grid. 
And the, and it was very clear, made clear behind the scenes by China that the reason they did that is to teach them a lesson. Don't mess with us in this particular area. And, and, and so repeatedly we're seeing this happen. And my hope, and I, unfortunately I don't think it's going to happen. My hope is that Biden sees it and, and Biden steps his game up in regards to China. Absolutely. So, Moving to more domestic area, what's going on here? I, I keep reading, Jordy, about this filibuster fight between the Democrats and the Republicans <laughs> in the Senate. What's going on? So it sounds like um, now that the Senate has so much political power in Washington, I mean, not, not the Senate, Democrats have so much political power in Washington, um, the idea of eliminating the filibuster is gaining momentum with Democrats so that Republicans are unable to block legislation in the Senate from going through. So the way the filibuster works is – so this is where I'm a little unclear on it. I know traditionally the filibuster was someone would have to keep talking for a right. certain amount of time, and the only way you could end it is if you had 60 votes to end it, which is right. still the case. So now what does the filibuster look like? Because it sounds like that's not what's required anymore as a talking filibuster. So specifically in the Senate, the filibuster is what they're talking about. The talking filibuster is basically to bring the issue to a vote. So it's not even just the vote. It's like, can this issue come to a vote? Mm -hmm. And for that, it requires, uh, I believe it requires just the, um, yeah, the, it's the cloture rule, which means that it requires 60 votes to end the debate on legislation. Got it. Okay. Right. Yes. And so the, the filibuster would just basically mean that you couldn't even do the vote to end the debate to bring the legislation forward so that it requires an up and down yes or no vote. That's what they're that that's, feel, that's what this it, fight's about. It feels about. like classic Washington gridlock mm -hmm. when you can't even get the vote to bring it to a vote. <laughs> Like right. That just feels like so many layers of bureaucracy. However, gridlock can play an important role because without gridlock, you've got, you know, we have such a diverse country and you don't necessarily want things going through super quickly. It's a, it's a measure to protect the minority, basically, mm -hmm. right? The minority party and, and, you know, yeah, sorry. Keep going, Jordy. No. So how is it now that the, it turns out that Democrats Many Democrats, um, including Elizabeth Warren, who's used the filibuster quite a bit herself, is now saying that it's deeply racist and has deeply racist roots and it's got to go. Do you think that's a um, an opinion of convenience now that Democrats have? <laughs> no. De Cruz, I think you really need to give her the benefit of the doubt. I think she genuinely cares about the roots of the filibuster and she believes in majority rules democracy. And it's just a coincidence that her party currently has a slim majority in the Senate. What do you say? I, I, you know, I, I don't actually – I'm actually okay with politicians being politicians. Like, okay, you, you know what? Obviously, it's bullshit, right? I, I actually have a deeper issue with like someone like Stephen Colbert suddenly becoming an expert on this and – all I just sudden, watched Trev I watched Trevor Noah uh, uh, Trevor Noah video about it. Yeah, yeah. Just just yeah. just really go deep into like how dare you and blah 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 about the talking filibuster and just knowing full well in the in my heart of hearts that when it comes 
when the Republicans have the majority and then they use the fact that the Democrats have gotten rid of the filibuster, they're going to completely conveniently, conveniently forget about who did it. Right. Mm-hmm. It's just going to it's going to completely disappear from their consciousness. It like it just never happened. And the Republicans are so immoral and atrocious and blah, blah, blah. Like, Jordy, you and I get it. Get that you're it's politics. St- you're so <laughs> cynical to Chris. <laughs> you know, we so get cynical. that it's politics. <laughs> we know this is how it works. But I just I just love watching these celebrities who are suddenly just astonished. Just astonished. Wait, that- the filibuster <laughs> still exists? <laughs> it was originally used to block the Civil Rights Act. I mean, it was used last year to block COVID, desperately needed COVID relief because yes. Democrats didn't want COVID relief happening before the election. Exactly. And now they're sending out tons of money in COVID relief. Not really. I mean, that $2 trillion plan was about 10% COVID relief, if that. And, <laughs> and things are picking picking back up. So it's not, I mean, it was desperately needed back then, but they wouldn't even bring it to a vote because they didn't want anyone else, you know, they didn't want anyone getting any more checks with Donald Trump's name on it. So um, yeah, I think it's all very cynical and it's politics as usual. Do you think that they will be able to successfully eliminate the filibuster? So Diane Feinstein, Feinstein, what is it? Is it Feinstein? Uh, Diane Feinstein. Feinstein came mm-hmm. out and said that she is not in favor of removing it. Oh, for, she's very unpopular these days. Poor Diane. Yes. And, and, she's and within, just too I believe, reasonable. <laughs> within 24 hours, she changed her tone. Just kidding. Because <laughs> I'm sure she had some visits to her office too. <laughs> well, Gavin Newsom was on the radio last week and being asked, you know, if Diane Feinstein – um, retires, will you commit right now to replacing her with a black woman? Oh, wow. And he was like, absolutely. But of I don't, course. What else he, is gonna say? but I'm like, I don't think she's intending to retire anytime soon, but she will outlive us all. <laughs> her and Nancy. <laughs> yes. It's, it's like they, they gain power from their detractors. Like, like the more you hate them, the more they get rejuvenated by it. And it's like, it's like they suck the marrow out of all of their opposers. <laughs> That's what they do. This is how they survive. It's all making so much sense now. Thank you. You've no. really cleared some things up for me. <laughs> can, can I just add to this? Like, you know, you mentioned that, you know, we haven't talked enough about the $1.9 trillion COVID relief bill. Porkity pork um, pork. The pork, the pork upon pork bill, uh, Jordy. You you hinted at it. I mean, you said about ten percent. I, I want to just give you an idea. You know, the New York um, MTA, the Metropolitan Transportation Authority, which kind of handles the subway, the buses in New York City, they got a bailout from it. And everybody that lives in New York will tell you that it's horribly mismanaged. The reason, the reason they were in such dire states, it wasn't because of COVID. It's because they suck. Well, it's yeah, because- this this um this package, the Save America package or whatever it's called, um, <laughs> the Marvel uh, Avengers Endgame package, uh, Justice it, League Snyder Cut package. Sorry, it keep going. bails out a lot of poorly run government programs in blue yes. states, especially those that have huge pension debts because mm-hmm. of public service unions. So, I mean, and a lot of the COVID relief stuff for schools doesn't even get spent for years. So, I mean, it's like, you know, in terms of it spends money that's never been created. The money is basically, I mean, the money doesn't actually exist. You get get that stimmy, Ducruz? 
Uh, <laughs> I'll tell you after you get your the show. Jo- you get your Joey Bucks? <laughs> I'll tell you what happened after the <laughs> after the show with my Joey Bucks. You don't want um, you don't want to share your personal financial situation right now. <laughs> I do not. I do not. <laughs> I will say that I'm looking for a house. That's that's my personal financial situation. So and if anyone has a house they want to sell to Cruz, give them that Big Brown Army discount. Uh, not up. even sell. I mean, just give it to me. Or you know, <laughs> okay. Is, is I'm that... trying to be reasonable, and you're just being <laughs> well, kind of ridiculous. So just putting out a call for like any elderly women that need a husband. Oh my gosh! You know? <laughs> <laughs> so you're looking for a sugar mama, is what you're saying? Of course, <laughs> exactly. <laughs> so I mean, getting back to the filibuster, the ramifications are serious, right, Jordy? Yeah, absolutely. It's a, basically the, what stands between, you know, the majority party being able to put through whatever the heck they want and any sort of balance being achieved. You know, the filibuster is one of those things that when it's being used against legislation that you want to pass, you're extremely frustrated by it. But when <laughs> legislation is, you know, coming through that scares the crap out of you, you're like, oh, thank God for the filibuster. So I can see why it's a uh, it definitely depends on who's in power, and it's uh, conveniently liked or disliked. But I see it as an important safeguard against, um, even though the I, majority rules democracy. I think that sixty having to have sixty votes to bring something to a vote is not that huge of a difference. That I think it it can provide an important safeguard. But I mean, I kind of I understand our, both the arguments for and against. So it'll be interesting to see what happens moving forward and how that change is, if any change does occur, how that will be viewed in the future. Like if all of a sudden Republicans have a majority in, you know, both branches of government, are Democrats going to be saying, we need to bring back some sort of safeguard? Right. And and this kind of points to, uh, Jordi, you and I have talked about this multiple times on this show, like the short-sighted nature of our politicians, right? Uh, You know, we want to ram through our legislation, so let's just get rid of this rule that could be beneficial to us in the future, but we don't care because we want this now. And this assumption that we'll always have this majority, so why even care? It doesn't matter, right? And that's that's the way that they thought about it when they removed the, uh, the filibuster on judicial appointments, Right. Mm-hmm. Uh, this is this is this happened before. And the Republicans warned, if you do it, you know, we will go all out. And they did. And they removed it on Supreme Court nominations. And now you have three, you know, three conservative Supreme Court judges. Right. So there are consequences to your actions. And, you know, it, it is too much to ask. It's not going to happen. But, you know, one would hope that they care for the country. They care for the future of the republic as opposed to caring about short-term goals. But, you know, we know that's not going to happen, right? That's not how it works anymore. So, um, Jordy, you you wanted to talk about this. and uh, <laughs> You don't want to talk about it, Dakar? <laughs> oh, Lord. So, Pastor Stuart Allen Clark of Malden First General Baptist Church. Should we just roll the clip? Or just roll the clip. This is gold. This gold. Why is it so many times that women, after they get married, let themselves go? Why is it? Why do they do that? Here's how way too many women are. I got him now. 
The chase is over. Hey, that's where you're wrong. The chase ain't never over. The chase ain't never over. And by God, if he don't love me the way I look now, he ought to look at his own spare tire in the mirror. Now look, I'm not saying every woman can be the epic, the epic trophy wife of all time, like Melania Trump. I'm not saying that at all. Now, most women can't be trophy wives, but you, you know, like her, maybe you're, maybe a participation trophy. I don't know, but all I can say is, not everybody looks like that. Amen. Not everybody looks like that. But, but you don't need to look like a butch either. Oh, good Lord. Hey, here's something you need to know. You need to know this. Men have a need for their women to look like women. All right, that's all I could hear. Um, to Cruz, <laughs> what part of the Bible do you think he's preaching from? Where do you think his source material is? Well, okay, Jordy, have you seen this guy? <laughs> okay, first of all, every man in that, every man in that audience that said "Amen," because oh, there's if gosh. you keep going with the clip, if there's more where they say you don't need to what he says something about wearing flip flops and sweatpants to Walmart. Yeah, that's right. Some, yeah, there are some amens. Yeah. Um, they're they're looking forward to some steely silence in the days ahead. Yes. Yes, they and they are. are not going to have a good lunch. Like <laughs> they're not going to get any lunch, and if they do, it's going to be aggressively bad. I mean, the audacity <laughs> of this man to look like that and stand up. There <laughs> and, okay, he, and, I'm not going to go after his physical appearance because I'm not going to play that game. Some, but yeah, he's not. And to no self awareness. Sorry, go ahead. Yeah, I mean, for, like what part? Of, I just sent that to my friend. She was like, oh, "What part of the Bible you think he's pulling that from?" <laughs> It is so bad. And first of all, he's not preaching from the Bible and he's trying to deliver it like he's doing stand up. So exactly. he probably, oh, in his head, yeah. he probably was like, wow, this is really funny. I should, you know, I should totally do this. And entirely lacking self awareness or a wisdom of any kind, he really went for it. And obviously, he is now on administrative leave. Yes. Um, <laughs> yeah, that was pretty quick. <laughs> the general Baptist, whatever. But De Cruz, do you think? Do you think he has a? Uh, do you think he has a point? Uh, <laughs> Jordy, do you think I'm crazy? <laughs> <laughs> no. Okay. Listen. Listen. I, I honestly think that if you're focused on that, like, I'll, I'll go this way. Why does this belong? From a, at a church pulpit, like, why are you talking about this from the church pulpit? Why are you demeaning women? Why are you saying epic trophy wife? Are you like, talking words? about how you have the hots for Melania Trump? Yeah, it, all that is weird. It's it's all so weird, and yeah. it's just like, and he looks like he hasn't seen the inside of a gym since like <laughs> exactly maybe like the exactly. first the first Bush administration, like. <laughs> Look, being attractive is great, but honestly, like, I think my my married friends tell me, like, you know, what is attractive about their spouse is very different from what they thought would be attractive about their spouse, right? Like, what what is beautiful about your wife is very different from what you think is beautiful when you're 18 years old. You know, I'm mm-hmm. not saying that looks don't, but isn't that, I mean, you're married. I'm not, you, you can speak more to this. Yes. And I met my husband when I was 18 and, mm-hmm. um, I do not look as good as I did when I was 18, <laughs> but my husband seems to still really like me. So I think that, um, as you, you know, do life together, you grow in your appreciation for that person so much, but that's easy for me to say, um, 
because my husband is aging like a fine wine where he gets better looking <laughs> with age. <laughs> and I'm aging like, I don't know, a bowl of cereal yes. with soggy milk on it. Um, That's I- not true, people <laughs> listening. That is not true. She's, she's I- a liar. <laughs> she could still kill it in a beauty pageant. No, I definitely couldn't. But thank you so much. You're terribly kind. Um, Yeah, you appreciate so much about your spouse besides their appearance um, if things are going well. And I think that this man is aware of that, but he's – I don't know. I hate this approach to um, women as like it's a women's job to Mm -hmm. not – so basically part – I don't know if that – we played that part of the sermon, but basically it was like women's – he was basically saying you're – as a wife, you need to keep yourself looking good so that your man doesn't stray. Like yes, the, the responsibility part, yeah. is on is on wives to uh, look good so that their men aren't even tempted to stray. And I'm like, oh, I'm pretty sure that's on you to be faithful. Yeah. That's you know, and and just you know, if the guy strays, it's either his wife's fault for not looking good enough, or it's the other woman's fault for seducing him. Right? It's not him. He has no control. He's just you know, moved along by this force, uh, just absolute silliness. And I, you know, more than just putting on leave, I just hope that they correct his erroneous preaching, you know, that they actually, I don't know. Uh, who, I'm not a big fan of cancel culture. I'm not saying he should never work again. He should be publicly shamed, anything like that. I think he had a very poor lapse in judgment. I think that his opinions, I don't, aren't necessarily, um, rare in the church, but I don't think that he's giving good advice and I don't think that it was the right time or place. No, I think, I think it's not biblical. It's not biblical. And he certainly didn't have a leg to stand on appearance wise. So, (laughs) Uh, you know, uh, Mark Driscoll said something very similar years ago when uh, General Petraeus cheated on his wife with the, his biographer and when this happened, I remember Mark Driscoll of Mars Hill Church in Seattle said something very similar, and and it was just awful, you know. And uh, especially in churches where women, you know, are not allowed to speak from the pulpit for whatever doctrinal reasons. I'm not going to get into that, but I'm just saying that like it just seems like if you're a woman and you're in a church where you're not allowed to speak, you're not allowed to have leadership positions, and then. Your pastor gets on stage and says things like this. I can't imagine from her perspective what it must be like. And right? tells you it if sucks. you're not if you're not bringing your Melania Trump game, then you're looking butch, which <laughs> exactly. is like a super wow. f- not nah. a term that he should be using uh, to describe anyone. Yeah, like that's it, just, oh, it was just, just juvenile. <laughs> Yeah, it's, it's, it's incredibly juvenile. <laughs> yeah, I have had friends who are like considering plastic surgery because their dads cheated on their moms, and they're afraid that if they don't, oh. you know, keep. And I'm just like, no, 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 no. That That's is awful. not the reason. Like, you don't need to put yourself under the knife because you're afraid if you don't, that could happen mm. to you. Mm. I mean, I That's support awful. people if cosmetic surgery is a path they want to take. Sure, whatever. I don't care. Um, it's not for me to remark on people's appearance or choices, but I'm just like, please don't do it for that reason. Because I'm I'm sure that, you know, even your husband wouldn't want you to do it for that reason. <laughs> you don't want to have this mentality of like, if I don't, you know, fix my postpartum boobs, then 
you know, it's my fault <laughs> if he cheats on right. me. Like that is I mean, just and, and, not a not a not a healthy loving marriage situation. And, and do you think it, it would be super weird if the husband's pushing for that too? Right? I mean, that that'd be pretty messed up, right? If the husband's like, you need to go fix that. Under yeah, the knife. I mean, I feel like husbands should be uplifting their wives and letting them know that they're beautiful the way they are. Mm-hmm. And like for my husband, like he he encourages me to exercise so that I feel good. Right. But it's not right. because he's like, you really need to take you know, care of those love handles. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I really need some definition in those abs. <laughs> like, <laughs> no, he's like, I want a wife that'll go get ice cream with me <laughs> or like eat donuts with me. <laughs> so yeah. I don't think that's exactly. a, yeah. But I mean, I mean, did I, did, did I, oh, I can't talk anymore to Cruz. I'm done. The, the dynamic is different in relation in, in, all sorts of relationships, and it's not for me to say whose marriage is working and whose isn't. But I definitely some red flags. I wonder if this guy's married. Yeah, I'm actually really curious about his wife's reaction to all of this, and and, and how much she wonders, looks like Melania Trump. <laughs> yeah, uh, you know, I I also have this thing. Uh, Ray and I talked about it a while ago. Like, I can't stand it when pastors are on stage and it's and maybe it's like my indian culture showing through and sort of like this uh you know like things that from you know certain things should not be done in public or like private like you know guy this you know pastor goes on stage is like my wife is hot look at her she's so sexy you know like yeah, i've seen that a lot like yeah, it's super awkward it's very cringy yeah like don't do that like just, just that you, you know. see that a lot in youth group style stuff. Yeah, <laughs> and on yeah. college campus, like look at lots of marriages. My wife is hot. <laughs> you know, God blesses us with good things, guys. <laughs> <laughs> I remember this one guy was like, "I have sex with my wife. I have sex with you know, like so." so I mean, again, it's one of those things where like, his wife is literally just hot. Someone to just have sex with, and that's you know, like that's who she is. That's her whole sum of a, of an individual. Yeah, that's who she could, is, right? She's just attractive. You and know? she's like, "Thanks, honey. Appreciate <laughs> it." Woo-hoo. And she has to stand there and kind of like smile, like, "Ah, uh, being a pastor's yeah. wife." I know a few pastors' wives, and they are the real MVPs. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Well, that brings us to the close of tonight's week in review, or. Uh, Today's week in review depends on what time you're know. listening to us. Uh, <laughs> anything else to add, Jordy, before we sign off for our listeners? Um, no, because it's 948 at night and you know I'm not at my sharpest. So anything I add from this point forward is going to be a subpar. So let's just <laughs> quit while we're ahead. Well, thank you to all of you for joining us on Big Brown Army again for this week in review with Jordy. Thank you, Jordy. It's always so much fun. Um. In order to make sure you get notifications whenever our next podcast is released, hit the subscribe button on your podcast app and then turn the notifications thing on, whatever that thing is. Uh, if you'd like to email me, you can reach me at bigbrownarmy at gmail.com. Remember, we are back on Twitter, uh, Big Brown Army on Twitter, at Big Brown Army on Twitter. Uh, and yeah, please leave us a five-star review on Apple Podcasts. That would be wonderful. Until next time, Joel Simpson. <laughs>